Hang on a second. <laughs> I had I had some notes for this. Uh, this is all getting cut out. What the fuck is going on upstairs? <laughs> right. No, we should just keep this. In. There's thirty to fifty feral hogs up there. I know it. <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. Zachary Reinhardt. Alex Sahori. Brandon Betts. We're coming to you from the studios at The Fledge in Lansing, Michigan. As we tape this, it is Saturday, August 10th, and thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we had like a whole order of things that we were going to talk about, and that all just kind of got fucked up this Throw morning. Throw it in the trash. Um, I mean, we're still, we still have some of these things here. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was announced this morning, like literally just a few hours ago, uh, that uh, Jeffrey Epstein is fucking uh, dead by apparent suicide. And yeah, apparent. Yeah. Heavy quotes, heavy air quotes. He was suicided, I think, is what we He was suicided. Yeah. <laughs> God fucking I mean, damn it! Yeah, uh, this this is fucking wild. Everyone, uh, everyone is losing their minds over this. Um, Jesus Christ! What what do you guys uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, there's, <laughs> I, it, uh, this might you know like unite the right and left, you know. And I just want to say like to all the pizza gators out there. Your time to shine is now. <laughs> no, seriously? You know, you're right about that. Even Brett fucking Stevens is like, what the fuck is going on here? Because he knows just as well as all of us at this table. You have Prince Andrew implicated in this. You have uh, the Clintons implicated in this. You have Donald Trump implicated in this. You have my uh, favorite person to hate in the entire world, Alan Dershowitz, <laughs> implicated in this, right? And these are all fucking real powerful people. Even goddamn Chris Tucker and Kevin Spacey. <laughs> no, Kevin Spacey, like, is doing some real crazy shit. Just, like, did this weird-ass monologue instead of, like, you know, uh, talking to reporters about this Epstein stuff. You know, just normal, having a normal-ass day, Kevin Spacey. I heard he, like, came out of, like, just out of nowhere. Like, he just showed up in, like, Italy or something. Exactly, and just started reading yeah. a poem. Fucking weird-ass shit. Just yeah. weird-ass shit. Super weird. You guys want to hear, like, the most uh, liberal <laughs> take uh, on the Epstein thing uh, you'll probably hear all day? Yeah, it does. Okay, this is, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll let you guys try to guess who it is after I read it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're a pundit on a major news channel. I'll give you that hint. So, a guy who had information that would have destroyed rich and powerful men's lives ends up dead in his jail cell. How predictably Russian. Oh, oh my goodness! Fucking Christ! Get the fuck out of here! Oh my God! Please, okay, is this like Jake Tapper? No. Oh no. my no, God! It is a J dude. It's a it J, is a J dude. dude. It's a J dude. Okay, I, so that rules out Matt out. <laughs> oh my God! On the right network. Okay, we're on. We're on MSNBC then. I think this is coming straight out of Kamala Harris's mouth. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go that ahead. is the take of Joe Scarborough. Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> Joe Scarborough is just always doing the crazy ass shit. He's like one of the people that you can like literally thank for Trump too. Like his show with uh, Mika Brzezinski basically propped his ass up. Like fucking unbelievable. Just like, and th this is, this is running interference for him. The Russia stuff. 
Like, because if the more you distract, like, from the actual shit, it's fucking interference for him. And I feel like he knows it. It's fucking disgusting. I mean, this is really just the state of American politics. Like, you got a problem? Russia. It's (laughs) Russia. Oh, my goodness. No, but, like, this Jeffrey Epstein stuff, like, holy fuck, dude. Like, how the fuck does this happen? Like, he was he or not? Was he or was he not on Suicide Watch? Well, yeah. apparently, like, uh, Ben, you had read, like, this morning. Yeah, they I, were like, I read, like, an NBC article that said he was on Suicide Watch, and then Zach tells me, like, when we came in here to the studio to record that, I guess it's unclear whether or not he was on Suicide Watch. Yeah, there's Watch. conflicting reports on I'm that. beginning to think that Suicide Watch isn't, like, actually where you prevent people from committing suicide, but it's just, like, where you watch them commit suicide. So, like, the, the, the guys <laughs> are just, like, watching him commit suicide. I think that's, yeah. I think that's what it means. Like when they were doing a wellness check, you know, heavy air air, uh, air quotation uh, marks on a, uh, Chelsea Manning, like guns blazing, right? Like that's like what this fucking is. Like they, dude, like think about all the people I just named earlier. Like they all fucking, you think that they were going to get implicated in this? Probably not. It's fucking, I hope Alan Dershowitz still has like a lot of fucking public evidence out there, especially now that the massage thing, uh, the New York Times, uh, put out last night that the massages were code for sex mm. so like uh, i think alan dershowitz still has a lot to answer for but they all do and i hope they all get their time but it's it, yeah even it's, uh aoc tweeted about this didn't she yeah queen queen slay um basically she i'm paraphrasing now but she's like um we need answers you know like this is the, what the fuck like it's <laughs> it is i mean crazy. it's just like another example of like how much like our country just has a problem with like allowing for the rich and powerful to actually face um punishment for their crimes like it just doesn't happen like they will do literally anything to avoid consequences for their actions and um it's interesting to see how many people like there's <laughs> it's like literally nobody believes this like nobody believes this like i mean there's like a few pundits and like you know articles and stuff like that but like from left to right everyone's like what suicide no that doesn't sound right at all well everyone was saying that like the first time that he apparently tried to commit suicide right mm-hmm. it was like what was it like two weeks ago yeah something few, like that yeah, maybe even like sooner honestly yeah it might have been only like a week it was it was within like the last two weeks though he he had neck injuries apparently so. yeah he was assaulted, I believe, also. Like, that was, I feel like that was two weeks ago when he was, like, assaulted in prison. So, yeah. Um, I had a friend uh, whose uh, father is a prison guard. He asked me uh, what type of facility he was in. He was in, like, a Manhattan uh, club fed, right? Yeah, was it, at- was, it was, like, a high security um, like. But he was, like, he and he wasn't with the general population, was oh, he? Oh, no, or- no, 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 no. Okay. Nope. Not at all. Um, can't have witnesses. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I wonder how that fucking uh, person got to him to beat the shit out of him in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so where, 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 does this, where does this case go from here? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to take the conspiracy into full swing. And yesterday, okay, please the, do. Please the, do. the Mar-a-Lago resort news came out that um, apparently there was some sex trafficking going on in Mar-a-Lago, and then the next day, Jeffrey Epstein is suicided. That, <laughs> I mean, to me, there's got to be something there, right? Donald Trump, powerful person, all of a sudden, this president... I mean, it might have been the Russians, who knows, but... <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand, the federal government has, like, a ton of fucking, like, evidence now 
like explicating or is is explicating the right word? I don't feel like it is. Um, and uh, just I couldn't like, even define that word for right, you. Right? Yeah, I I feel like it's the opposite of what I'm actually trying to say. But um, implicating is what I'll say now. Uh, implicating like a lot of people. You know, like apparently Jeffrey Epstein had like videos and like pictures and like stuff right like that, and all that's been collected. I don't. I just feel like you know that that is just all out there. And a lot of people know that and a lot of people are like, you know, actually paying attention to this. And, you know, like you like you said, even the mainstream media is like it's a huge fucking story right now because it's fucking like I you, you hate to say it, but it's fucking spicy. Like like it's just like awful. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, just I, 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 I really feel like they really can't just, you know, uh allow like the same old thing to just keep happening over and over again where these powerful people just get keep away evading with it. justice yeah. right keep it and like that's like and that's what we want right is justice like we don't want just like a fucking media circus that it's fucking become so i i don't know if you guys remember this but 10 20 years ago there was that case with that island in northern michigan where somebody was had a sex ring going on with young children and apparently um there was a whole bunch of rich people implicated in it like there were presidential candidates that apparently flew in here on private private jets and did all this stuff and then guess what happened all the people involved end up ended up dead within two years of everything breaking so are we surprised that this is happening again no rich and powerful people do these things all the time i'm sure it's still happening around the world it wasn't just epstein we've got to we've got to start talking about this and keep talking about it until we until we you know this all comes to light because we've got to we've got to fix this problem rich and powerful people do whatever the hell they want do you remember do you guys remember that like the uh who is america or was that what it was called the um sasha baird cohen yeah. uh, showtime series who is america right there was that deleted scene where he like went to a fucking concierge and like asked for like a little boy or something like that and the concierge is like yeah we can do something about that yeah, I remember like, that. And he was, and he like immediately like went to the FBI, gave them all like the videotapes, right? And I still haven't heard like any action taken on that. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? Like, that was widely reported on. You you got a point there, Brandon. Like, that's a. It, this is not just Jeffrey Epstein. Like, and right, like I think we've talked about this on uh, before on the podcast. Like this like maybe possibly is like a way that these rich and powerful people like you know have leverage on each other to like stay in line like you know that's like not you know totally out there right like that's like you can't imagine like what these rich and powerful people will do right to keep their uh stature and keep their uh station uh can't believe it actually but um i don't know if you guys saw this this was uh from i'm assuming somebody uh involved with uh the victims of the epstein case but um her name's lisa bloom and she said um predator jeffrey uh, epstein killed himself you know, on behalf of the victims i represent we would have preferred he lived to face justice our civil cases can still proceed against his estate uh victims deserve to be made whole for the uh, lifelong damage he caused uh we're just getting started so, I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds like, I mean, obviously, like, you can't hold Epstein for criminal charges, but uh, it sounds like 
they're going to probably start winding down this case now. Well, if if they continue to, uh, you know, um, sue the estate in uh, civil court, as uh, she mentioned, right? Like, that still gives uh, the possibility of evidence becoming public that implicates these people that are still alive that still need to be served justice for right? now for right oh jesus right like as soon as like you know things get hot for them right they're gonna get fucking epstein too right so like you know Alan Dershowitz has a heart attack oh my god dude like i could totally see that happening the cia heart attacks 100 percent. oh my god what the fuck man so ben you want to take us into some lighter news or you want got something uh, a little bit more depressing oh, for us oh man um yeah last weekend um there were two mass shootings i mean everyone knows this so there were two uh mass shootings within 13 hours of each other in el paso texas and dayton ohio uh where i think in total 31 or 32 people were killed so wait those weren't in michigan and houston I'm just. I heard Joe Biden said Michigan and Houston. Toledo, um, right? To, oh to, yeah. Yeah. Trump said Toledo. It it is crazy, right? Like how that like when Trump does it, that's just like a blip on the radar. But like this, like Biden thing has like literally started a cavalcade of like gaffes that are probably going to end his candidacy. I don't know, man. I think he's gaff proof, but. Uh, this whole like, I mean, I don't know. I I, I kind of I'm, I'm I'm torn between it because like on the one hand I'm like wow that's really disrespectful to the victims on the other hand i'm like yeah there's a lot of mass shootings like it's kind of fucking confusing <laughs> so you got uh, it's it's a it's a tough bag but the i mean probably the worst thing i think to come out of this has just been like you know like i guess you like take for granted like um presidents like presidential decorum in these kind of situations you know like uh, even george bush was like awful president but like he still had that like decorum where like he would you know put on face and he would go apologize to the families you know in instances like this and you know he would do the right thing not go take a fucking photo op with an orphan baby like with the with their thumbs up with your thumbs up it was just like yeah that baby like that baby like broke both its legs after uh his mother was like shot and killed and fell on top of him after his father was shot and killed guarding both of them. Like, and Donald Trump is just fucking like flicking his thumb up, like fucking smiling for a photo op. It's really fucking disgusting. Shows that he has like no, like, you know, um, remorse or any like, you know, uh, you sense of, um, uh, responsibility. Is it this... is it the lack of remorse or the lack of like cognitive function and awareness? I mean, it's it's probably a little bit of both, right? Like this dude is just like sundowning so hard, and like, and he's just saying like the most ridiculously racist and vile like shit all the time. That I didn't I didn't even bother reading this uh you know fucking uh insects manifesto because like. It's all the fucking same shit. I knew it was going to be the Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Donald Trump special. It's all the fucking same shit, right? And it's so and and you know like it it fucking there's booking there was a spike of gun violence across the country afterwards. Like this shit is affecting all of us at a psychological level and you know like it you think this is like, you know, uh 
you think this is bad, like it's going to get worse, come t closer to 2020. And because you see how Donald Trump is uh, running for re-election, he's double downing. He's doubling down on the racism. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, this is going to get far worse. And I'm like, I'm fucking scared. I'm getting scared. You, you know, I'm I'm really afraid of the policy implications of this because now the the left has fractured. And, and I think the right has too. The left is saying, you know, there's, there's, there's four different reasons why this happened for people. And all of them have different policy prescriptions. One, it was the gun. Two, it was white supremacy. Three, it was mental health. Or four, it was video games. Obviously, video games is not the right answer to this. Um, and I've, I've got things to say about mental health if we get into it. But I'm interested in what you guys think, where you guys land. I mean, obviously, it's got to be a combination of the three of some kind. But, you know, everybody on the left now is saying, you know, I mean, there, there are people on the left who are saying, you know, gun control isn't the answer anymore. We've got to stop white supremacy. And then there's people who say, well, white supremacy isn't the answer. I, or we can't stop white supremacy, so it has to be guns. So I'm interested in where all of you land. Let's on do that. gun control for white supremacists. Fighting gun? <laughs> no, no. I think you're kind of like uh, providing a false choice a little bit because, like, fighting uh, or fighting for gun control is fighting white supremacy. Like the reason why, like, especially if you look at like, um, there are like a ton of guns in the United States, but actually not a whole lot of gun owners right like it's a bunch we of have more guns than people in this right country. we have we have more guns than people in this country but not a whole lot of gun owners it's like, like 50 percent of the guns are owned by like one or two percent of the population exactly right so like um you know it really like and the reason for that is like it is you know based in white supremacy like that is why you know like well, i mean the second amendment like, was like used to basically keep slaves in check exactly right so, I mean, like, it definitely has like this uh, is white supremacist roots right exactly like this is um you know and fighting like the uh fighting white supremacy and fighting gun violence go hand in hand right like and um you know this mental health stuff while i agree that you know um mental health is a serious issue and a lot of people are like you know giving um lee fang a lot of uh flack for talking about like loneliness um in our generation you know, I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I don't think, you know, like pointing out a cause is the same as justifying somebody's actions. Oh, certainly not. We have to understand it. Right, right. So, like, you know, like we have to understand, like, there is like mental health problems in this country. There is um, there is like loneliness problems and, you know, uh, alienation problems in this country. And uh, like those have to be those are those are really important not just for like gun violence or white supremacy but like health care and um things like and things like uh, getting a job in the economy right so you know like we really do have to like think about these things really structurally and uh you know i don't think that that's a problem of the left i think that that's a strength of the left i know um the needle is moving. Uh, I just saw a poll recently that came out that said that um, banning assault weapons amongst Republicans is now uh, nearing 60%. It's like 57 or 58. That's insane. Um, so, I mean, like the needle is moving, uh, however slowly. The problem is, is like uh, much like, you know, anything else with our, our government is uh, the people in office do not represent the people that vote like they represent the people that give money and and the republican side that's the nra so right. i don't think that like i mean 
shit, 97% of Americans support background checks, and, like, we still can't get that. Like, we can't get mm-hmm. that. Like, so, I mean, I, I don't know, like, what it's going to take for Republicans to... Uh, to want to do something other than like banning video games, which is like just the most asinine shit ever. Yeah, I mean, even uh, I mean, even Donald Trump uh, said he said that he wants to work with Republican lawmakers to uh, expand background checks, but then also he told the NRA, "Don't worry about it. No, everything's gonna stay the same. Like mm-hmm. everything's fine." Did you guys see that uh, Eddie Gloud uh, c- clip? On MSNBC, I can't believe they let him talk and do all that, or I can't believe he's was not that the, fired. Like the uh, this is us. This is us. You know, America's not unique in its sins. Hmm. As a country, we're not unique in our evils. To be honest with you, um, I think where we where we may be singular is our fu- a refusal to acknowledge them hmm. and the legends and myths we tell about our inherent, you know, goodness. Uh, to hide and cover and conceal so that we can maintain a kind of willful ignorance that protects our innocence. See, the thing is that when we, the Tea Party was happening, we used people were, we were saying, pundits, oh, it's just about economic populism. <laughs> it's not about race. <clears throat> when people knew, people knew, social scientists were already writing that what was driving the Tea Party were anxieties about economic demographic anxiety. shifts, that the country was changing, that they were seeing these racially ambiguous babies on, on Cheerios commercials that the country wasn't quite feeling like it was a white nation anymore. And people were screaming from the top of their lungs, yo, this is not just simply economic populism. This is the ugly underbelly of the country. See, the thing is, is this, and I'll say this, and I'll take the hit on it. There are communities that have had to bear the brunt of America confronting, white Americans confronting the danger of their innocence. And it happens every generation. So somehow we have to kind of, oh my God, is this who we are? And just again, another, here's another generation of babies. Think about it, the two-year-old had his bro- bones broken by two parents sh- trying to shield him from being killed. A woman who has been married to this man for as long as I've been on the planet almost, lost her, lost her husband. For what? And so. What we know is that the country has been playing politics for a long time on this hatred. We know this. So it's easy for us to place it all on Donald Trump's shoulders. It's easy for us to place Pittsburgh on his shoulders. It's easy for me to place Charlottesville on his shoulders. It's easy for us to place El Paso on his shoulders. This is us. And if we're going to get past this, we can't blame it on him. He's a manifestation of the ugliness that's in us. I've had the privilege of growing up in a tradition that didn't believe in the myths and the legends because we had to bear the brunt of them. Either we're going to change, Nicole, or we're going to do this again and again, and babies are going to have to grow up without mothers and fathers uncles and aunts, friends, while we're trying to convince white folk to finally leave behind a history that will maybe, maybe, or embrace a history that might set them free from being white. Finally. Finally. What else? Lord help us. He did such a good job of, like, just hitting home how like hey america sucks without fucking like just flat out saying that and america's always sucked 
like it depends like if you were black america fucking sucked if you were fucking native american america fucking sucked if you were irish for a while america fucking sucked if you're italian for a while america i can go on and on and on and on and on like america has always fucking sucked and like that that's like what people got to understand and we got to fucking forget about this usa number one american exceptionalism bullshit because it is a fucking disease and if you're one of these fucking nra bootlickers who is saying like what is an assault weapon what do you want to ban right like we literally had a fucking assault weapons ban for like two decades right or maybe one 94 one, to 2004 94 to 2004 and like <clears throat> that that fucking worked after that after uh george w bush let that uh sun down right um it, we had a fucking surge of 200 uh percent of uh gun deaths in this country like it's unbelievable and it's interesting how that's been working too because um so like uh according to like the second amendment and like the ruling in heller um uh which was in like 2006 i believe or seven but they basically said that it kind of like uh pushed the second amendment even further saying like uh everyone has an individual right to a gun but it's like their their um their way of saying it was you can only own guns that are uh common in 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 america and so when they made that ruling um assault weapons were not very common because we had just gotten done with a 10-year assault weapons ban. So, like, under that ruling, assault weapons could still be, like, determined uh, on that, like, not um, allowable. Um, but as, like, we've gone on and now more and more assault weapons are uh, have entered the market, um, that's harder to rule on now. So now, if they wanted to go back and put an assault weapons ban in, it would probably go to the supreme court only because assault weapons went from being a non-commonplace gun to a commonplace gun so uh yeah it's kind of shitty because i can only imagine how the supreme court would rule on such a case now I, I, to to another point, I, I do want to point out the fact that Texas has some most of the guns in our country. And, you know, right wingers always say, oh, hey, if we have more guns, we'll be able to protect ourselves from mass shootings. But El Paso is in the center of Texas and mm-hmm. still happened. Well, or like the, you know, you know, look at the Dayton thing, you know, like. The, yeah, that the, was the, a hard target. There were police everywhere. There, yeah, that was there, 30 second response time. They were there within 30 seconds. He still killed nine people, right? In, nine people injured 22. Like, you're going to have a faster response time than 30 seconds? No, it's not going to happen. So, like, clearly, like, if your idea is to stop, like, be the good guy to stop the, the bad guy with a gun, you're saying that it's okay for at least a dozen people to die. Yeah, it's crazy how this guy was, like, allowed to get a gun when, like, he was suspended or, like, expelled from school for, like, a rape and kill list. Yeah, like, like he's everybody like everybody who knew this guy knew he was dangerous and knew this was like inevitable and like literally there was nothing that could have been done. It's like when Republicans say like, oh, you just want to take guns away from law abiding citizens. Do you have a fucking rape and kill list? Because if you do, I do want to take your guns. Right. I want to take them. Right. You don't deserve to have them. Right. So shitty. I know we're all sighing because. And then this like is... uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys saw the the Trump. Uh, I mean, obviously like there's like multiple like his El Paso thing was just so shitty because like the apparently the doctors and like the nurses were mad that he showed up because after like not even thirty seconds he starts talking about his rally and how like his rally was bigger than Beto's like. You're there to show respect for dead people and you're talking about a fucking rally size. Yeah, Beto did really fucking good 
like on probably even better, a little bit better than Bernie. Oh, he you was. Know, he was oh, is that where he? Is that where he asked? Is that where he? He said, "Members of the, of the press, what the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, like what the fuck are you guys talking about? Right. Like, can like, he do you're something? Still asking if Trump is a racist, like what right? The fuck like is this wrong is so you? fucked up, right? And it's just like you know, he's right. He's fucking right. Mm-hmm. Best and, thing he ever said, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. and he should take this and run for fucking Senate. Like, goddamn, dude. Like, mm-hmm. run for fucking Senate. Get this Mussolini-loving-ass John Cornyn out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. That'd be, that'd be the best way he could serve. Like, And if you look at, you know, we, we all seen that, like, donation map of his. Like, he's obviously, ha- he has a ton of support in Texas. It's like, and we need the Senate back. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you want to stop this, if you want to make sure another El Paso doesn't happen, we need to get Mitch McConnell Yeah, I mean, if you, wanna, if you want to prove that you actually give a shit about this country and you're, and like, you're... Your career isn't just all about your fucking ego because I mean he made that pretty clear from you know You know early on when he announced his candidacy for president Born for it. Yeah, born was born to be in it man like Like if you actually give a shit about people in this country run for the Senate unseat Cornyn and Try to do something about this because you, you wait running for president. You're wasting all of our fucking time. Yeah, props to uh, Hickenlooper who's running for Senate now mm-hmm. as a Democrat, which I hope he gets primaried by another Democrat and loses. But <laughs> at least, at least if you know, like if he does make it through, and um, and you know he beats, is he re- would he be running against uh, uh, Corey Cor- Gardner? Yeah, Corey Gardner, who's you know good on marijuana but shitty on other stuff. Yeah, right? he has to be. He's in Colorado, but right. I mean, like. He- I think, well, I mean, Hickenlooper owns, like, a brewery, so he's, like, not necessarily great on marijuana, but at the same time, like, it's also Colorado, so Is it's, he, like, like, good on, like, some foreign policy stuff, too? I feel like I, he was, like, on with Bernie, like, with against mm, Saudi Arabia. He's a mixed maybe bag. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I, maybe. I, I, I feel like there's something else about him that's, like, also, he he's, like, a fucking shitty-ass Republican, right? But as, for, as, as far as Republicans go, you know. Just uh, this last weekend, uh, we saw the largest gathering of socialists in decades, probably. Um, The Democratic Socialists of America uh, held their national convention in Atlanta last weekend, and Alex was the Lansing DSA chapters, or one of uh, the Lansing DSA chapters delegates to the convention. Uh, So we thought we'd uh, debrief him and uh, see what happened, because I actually, I don't really know. I didn't follow it. (laughs) I I have to get this out of the way, first and foremost. Why doesn't Democratic Socialists of America endorse capitalist? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was kind of funny, right? Because that was like, right, you know, the, ex- explain this. That was yeah, they like so basically the liberal media um they the biggest takeaway they took from the convention was this whole uh resolution that we would not endorse another candidate were Bernie Sanders to lose the Democratic primary. Um and you know, a lot of people freak were freaking out um especially like online like especially these liberals like what the fuck are they thinking these people are fucking crazy like oh my god trump's so bad but um honestly like that was one of my you know least concerns while i was there there is like a big fight going on in like uh dsa right now 
in terms of like what is the vision of our organization. Um, you know, there's these uh, two caucuses basically that uh, are kind of rivals to each other. Uh, they are Bread and Roses and uh, Build. They're not the only caucuses. There are like five caucuses, like the Libertarian Socialist Caucus, Ooh. Socialist Majority, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah. So uh, basically the uh, competing visions are a very centralized, you know, large staff, you know, DSA that focuses on uh, Bernie Sa the Bernie Sanders campaign and um, issue campaigns like Medicare for All and the Green New Deal, which I, I do respect because it is a uh, clear vision and, you know, I don't disagree with it. I think those are like really like important stuff. But uh, Build, on the other hand, was more focused on, you know, fostering uh, the chapters and, you know, facilitating the chapters, the locals, um, and, you know, helping grow the locals and becoming an organization that, you know, does direct action in our communities. Uh, so, so, yeah, like, there, it was a little contentious. Um, From what I understand, uh, there was a resolution that would would have provided more support to the expansion and growth of uh, new local chapters that ended up getting shot down? Yeah, so um, I think probably the most contentious uh, issues were probably around like past the hat and uh, the new like funding resolutions. So they're basically, and here's the thing, like these resolutions weren't um, competing like we could have done both and actually like I was caucusing people to vote for both but there was pass the hat which was a hundred dollars a month for every chapter um and then there was this 70 30 due split which is um instead of uh the due split that we have now for um monthly uh dues paying members uh I think it's like either 10 or 20 percent now it's like 30 70 and um so now uh, you have that 70-30 split and the more people you get in your chapter to to um, you know pay the uh, $10 a month dues fee or whatever however the monthly dues fee the higher that uh, dues split can go up so if you have you know a ton of people paying monthly in your chapter you're going to be getting more money than uh, probably other chapters mm -hmm. are um, so yeah so that one passed the one that I was just speaking on and past that failed, there was kind of like a compromise resolution where the 70-30 was split and each chapter got less money than $100 a month. Um, but that was shot down as well. Um, you know, it was pretty disappointing because there were like other uh, areas where both of these competing, uh, you know, strategies both passed, like for instance, labor. Um, Bread and Roses was more about like getting, you know, membership elected to uh you know the um leadership of unions whereas uh build is more about you know organizing unions that aren't there yet um you know so the, the definitely you know competing you know visions for dsa um i uh you know just full disclosure i was um, more sympathetic to build um you know i i i do uh, appreciate though what bread and roses and try is trying to do in that like they want to create a working class party in the united states um i don't think we're ready for that and i think the way that we do that is building up membership not exactly like you know 
a huge centralized staff. Yeah, right? I mean, I yeah, I, I'm throwing in here for a second. I kind of think, I mean, I heard you describing like the differences between um, the two, and uh, I think I agree. I'm, I'm with Build. I like the idea of a bottom-up organizing model as opposed to top-down, and it seems like the bread and roses. And it's not to say, you know, like you were saying, it's not to say that like it's re- it's really weird that like it it comes down to like a dichotomy because it's really not. You need both. Like you really do need mm-hmm. both. So uh, I'm glad to see that both of those resolutions are passed because I do think we need to do both. Right. Um, because. Uh, on the one hand, we we have to organize the unorganized. Like they 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 need it more than than the people that already have a union. Um, and and secondly, uh, the unions have a lot of power over the electoral process. And if DSA is going to get involved in electoral work, uh, having some sway in these uh, already large unions um, could be very beneficial. Right. You know, my my take on this, I mean, everybody who knows me knows that I identify as a libertarian socialist. And I mean, the reasons for that is because I believe in these grassroots dual power kind of kind of movements that are going on or that could be going on. And what what I've seen in in, in this whole argument against, you know, whether or not I I think that the argument against pass the hat was that it would bankrupt national. Yeah, but they they, they like literally uh, caucused for like countless uh staff uh jobs that had the same budget so it was like as long as like one of their friends was like getting money i guess they were okay with it that's crazy to me because who is it who does the work it's not national i don't see national in my backyard fixing tail lights you know giving tenants rights uh less uh lessons to people i don't see national doing all this who who actually has the power and who should have the power are the workers and the workers are organized in local chapters they're not organized nationally and so when you when you take away all of the when you deflate the balloon i guess is the way to put it and just say all right well these local chapters no longer can have power no longer have money and we're going to centralize you start sounding like the democratic party you start sounding like the republican party you start sounding like this organization that doesn't actually care about workers they care about elections and they care about these national things that might not actually trickle down into you know local chapters so right. that that's where i stand on it personally so uh, are you there... saying that trickle down doesn't work brandon wow. <laughs> amazing yeah you're you're an economist right so you're an authority on that <laughs> um, anyways anyways um so yeah like there are two other things i kind of wanted to talk about um there was this uh anti-fascist uh working group resolution that was very very the real fascists yes like seriously like um yeah a lot of people were kind of gaslighting you know saying that like oh well if we do this like we're gonna like come under attack like Oh my God! Look a fucking round. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> we are fucking constantly under attack since. And I was. This goes back to what I was saying about Eddie Glaude. Um, this country has literally always been an onslaught of injustice since the it's in, since its fucking inception. Right. I mean, like, right. way way to sound like a fucking Democrat. We can't. We can't actually like uh, you know have teeth. You know, or like push for anything that we really want otherwise i mean what is the opposition gonna do well yeah i mean like our <laughs> so wait it's just confusing because like if the left isn't used to like being surveilled by now or like targeted like i have doubts because like i mean <laughs> first of all like 
D, like you said, most of the people in that DS room, DSA room, are probably already on a list. <laughs> like, right. Like, <laughs> and and to think otherwise is crazy. And like, if we're allowing for like our opposition to define the narrative and make us like their their influence is influencing our decisions we've already lost right so like they've already they've already if we allow them to make antifa be this like scary organization that well antifa is not an organization it's not an organization but scary like tactics i I should say or or, you know um then like they've already won right exactly so like and and you know like um like let's talk about what's in the resolution right it's uh you know, security software, like helping, uh, the national, uh, you know, get like security software to local chapters and it's, um, security training, like, you know, for local chapters. So like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, the anti-fascist working group is doing it's tactics It's a tactic, like, you know, so that we can fight this rise of fascism in the United States. I can't believe it was so hotly contested. Um, it wasn't as close a vote as uh, the Bread and Roses Union vote. That Bread and Roses Union vote, by the way, the um, the uh, resolution to uh, have you know uh, members uh, be elected to uh, union leadership, that only passed by t- uh, ten votes. Yes, out of like over uh, fifteen hundred people. So yeah, like that was very contentious. The other really contentious vote, which was actually uh, called that failed, but after like the online voting, it uh, passed, was this um, uh, international working group package of uh, BDS, Cuba Solidarity, and decolonization. So um, yeah, like that was uh, really... Uh, contentious because a lot of people like especially like the bread and roses type people um you know they wanted to keep this uh international committee like closed and do and doing all the international working groups the international committee is this closed uh national uh dsa group um you, you, what have, you, to, mean by closed? you have to apply to it okay yeah. um and th- they have to like let you in so it's now like we're going to be able to do like an, a national working group that's not closed for BDS. Now we're going to be able to do a national working group for decolonization that's not closed to the national membership. Now we're going to be able to do uh, uh, Cuba solidarity nationally, you know, without like, uh, you know, being closed off from the international committee. So I think, you know, I'm really glad that that passed as well. Um, you know, we did have some losses past the hat, you know, didn't, you know, pass, but. Um, I do like the general direction that DSA is going. Um, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, um, factionalism, hysteria, and like the parliamentary procedure stuff is a little overblown. I think, you know, um, these are growing pains, right? Um, I'm really disappointed that the uh, disability working group resolution uh, didn't pass because I feel like a lot of uh, the... um, you know, uh, sensory overload issues, uh, that we were having, um, you know, that's, that's something we got to, that's something we got to work on. Well, a lot of people were like, uh, there was like a lot of drama on Twitter about like, uh, just the, uh, you know, ASL applause, like no clapping and the constant, uh, points of privilege about like that kind of stuff. Um, 
you know, like, I think that's something that we got to uh, work on. Uh, you know, I think that while uh, it's fine to do like points of privilege, maybe like doing them repeatedly is uh, not so strategic. Maybe you go to the people directly who are um, impeding your like ability to be a delegate and you build a personal connection with them and be like, hey, you know, like this is how I feel. This is what you're doing. That's like hurting me. Right. Or you get, you know, a friend to do that for you. And, you know, you it, like I said, like you do a few points of privilege. That's fine. But. You know, we, we do we are there to you know vote on a lot of resolutions then and, and there there are there is stuff that we didn't get to. So now DSA has been around for a long while, but in the last few years its membership has exploded like tenfold. Right. Um but in order for us to have any real effect on our politics at a local or national level, we need to be a lot stronger. Um, so I was, I'm curious, was there any talk, any discussion or action on um, ways to increase DSA's membership even further? There was there was like lots of discussion on that, right? Like, and I think, um, you know, there was lots of different ideas on that. Um, I think there was uh, this one resolution. I don't remember whether it passed or not, but like build DSA to like 100,000 members. So, um, Yeah. I was like, I was like sitting there thinking like that's not even going to fill up the big house <laughs> we, we need, but yeah, um, we know we still, we have work to do, right? We have work to do. Um, you know, like, like I was saying before, um, I don't think, uh, that like this factionalism is something, you know, that is really a big deal. Um, I think that it's a good thing, you know, that they're competing visions for what DSA is because really at the end of the day, that like really puts uh, things into perspective for the delegates who are there and what they want and what their chapter needs. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, like we're just like as a, uh, as an organization, we're getting uh, better with these par parliamentary procedures. We're getting better with Robert's rules. Um, I heard the 2017 convention was a shit show compared to this one. And a lot of people are saying this one was a mess, right? So, you know, I think... Just gonna get better with time? I think it'll get better with time, yeah. I think it will. And I, I, I think I'm, I couldn't be uh, prouder of the work that we did there. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I really, really like DSA because they're like one of the few organizations that we have that um, is bottom-up and is like distinct from the Democratic Party. Like they are not... And it's distinct from electoral. I, 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 I appreciate that they do community work because i think that's i think you know like uh campaigns come in and they they you know every couple years and they they you know go out and they talk about what they want to do for the community and things like that and you know these people are like you know, they don't believe them they think they're full of shit you know and to when you go out and you actually do the work when you put in when when you know dsa replaces your headlight or you know feeds like homeless people or something when they do that like community work and then they knock on your door for a candidate you're gonna listen to them a little bit more and i think we don't take the time to put in that community building um as much and dsa is like really filling that space so i, I i'm i'm glad to see that uh the national convention went well and that we're building more towards that yeah no it it is i like you know, like like I said, you know, like there was um some losses here and there, like for our vision, right? But um, like all in all, I do feel like you know DSA is heading in the right direction, um, and I feel like uh, 
you know, as uh, the membership grows more and more, I think we'll see even, uh, you know, more and more uh, points of view and we'll, uh, you know, start getting better at compromising. I, you know, I do think that um, there was like a lot of opportunity to, you know, do compromises on these like competing but not so competing resolutions, right? Because like there's no reason why you couldn't do past the hat and 70-30. They're not competing at all. Mm-hmm. Or the union thing, like both of those need to be like uh, both used, right? Yeah, and like those, yeah, exactly, right? Like in both of those paths, and I'm pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you know, I I definitely um, was live tweeting like uh, DSA was it was a disaster, right? But you know, things kind of are in the moment. Things are like a little heated, and um, you know, you know, looking back on it now, I'm very happy. I'm very very uh very happy with where we're going i think that um i think that it's like pretty shitty that uh people are kind of like you know mocking us for like trying to be inclusive and stuff like that i will say that oh for like the um the sensory yeah yeah that was ridiculous like i mean but like that's that's just one more thing i like about dsa is there's just like such an open welcoming space for for everyone you know right especially like marginalized communities so Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, DSA, uh, <laughs> a few months ago, uh, our local chapter here in Lansing uh, endorsed some candidates for our local city council election, and uh, we've got one of them here, actually. Uh, you might remember we, we talked to Brandon uh, a couple months ago about his campaign for uh, Lansing City Council, and uh, thankfully, uh Brandon uh, advanced through his primary. We had the election uh, last this last Tuesday. Congratulations, Brandon. Thank you. Congrats, Brandon. So uh, how, how are you feeling? You know, this, I, I, I've actually, so over the last week, I've been very emotional about this because, you know, what, what Zach was saying about DSA and about the work that DSA does is very true. And I couldn't have done this without everybody in this room and everybody who's been involved in this campaign you know we're we're a part of a movement and what we're trying to do here is change our community for the better to change it to actually focus on people again and to you know really take care of everybody who lives in this city and that's and that's so important we our city is lacking a lot of resources and and a lot of things that I mean, we just need or else we're all going to be driven from the city at some point. But, you know, beyond the campaign speech, I am really proud of the work that we did, because when you think about it, uh, the incumbent um, only got thirty nine point nine percent of the vote. She who shall not be named. Yeah. So so there, I hate Roger Stone, but he said something very smart in his documentary that I watch, and that was to never use. Was it his documentary? Um, I'm not sure if he put it together. I'm sure maybe he did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was about, oh, okay. it was about I was making a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what he said was never use your opponent's name, never give them the space to, you know, be able to respond to something. It's really mm. good for, you know, debate prep and stuff like that. So I, I try not to use her name. Unfortunately, I had a, uh, city pulse interview yesterday and I used her name a few times, but you know, that's just cause, you know, I'm really passionate about this and, and, and truly we did really well 40 60 percent of the electorate wants her gone 
And that just gives us the mandate to push this thing forward and to take the next three months and to really put ourselves into gear to 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 get things done. So how much of the vote did you get? Was it 22, 24, uh, 27%. 27%. 27%. 27%. She who must not be named got only 40% or 39, right? 39.9. 39.9. So that is that is a sweet spot, right? Like she 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 only got 40% of the vote in the primary. She's gonna have to build on that if she's gonna want if she's gonna have to win the general. Exactly. And think about this: the people who turned out to this random ass primary election for a city council candidate on an off year are the people who care the most about this election. So her base turned out. Right. Which means she's gonna have to do some work to build up on it. And everybody I'm talking to says, "Oh, well, I mean, she didn't put any effort in the primary." is does she see me as a threat necessarily maybe not and i'm hoping not because if she doesn't she's not going to work and i mean it's a sad thing we'll keep knocking doors yeah exactly we're going to keep knocking doors and it's a sad thing that our incumbent thinks that our voices don't matter she's been lit dropping she hasn't been talking to people she hasn't i mean she's raising i just got a text five minutes ago saying that she's going to get a big check from the Gillespie is one of the big developers in our city trash. You know, she, she released an article the other day saying, Oh, look, I was endorsed by the chamber of commerce. You know who I'm endorsed by? I'm endorsed by the people. And that's, what's exciting about this campaign because people are making a change in this city. Yeah. It's not like to be endorsed by the chamber of commerce is not something to be lauded at all. They, they fought against uh, Lansing being a sanctuary city. So it's like, you know, as you, watch what's happening on the border just think that like jody is okay with it she's okay with like not protecting our most vulnerable citizens so it's like that is not something to be lauded at all just to just to give our listeners an idea of how little how little effort she's how how little effort she's put into this election we had a, a couple of weeks ago we had we had a debate uh with all the candidates running for this city council seat and she was the only one to not show up yeah, she she couldn't even like she couldn't even pull a fucking Crowley and put somebody in her place. She just like didn't show up at all. <laughs> hey, hey, Jody, I I have a feeling that you're listening to this, or you know, one of your friends are listening to this right now. Show up to the next fucking debate. I want you there. I want to be able to look you in the eyes and talk to you about your record and your record for the last eight years because you're not here. You're not talking to people, and you know what? People are starting to notice. You don't care about us, and that's the reason I'm running this campaign, and that's the reason all of us are working against you right now so you know show up every once in a while because i want to have a discussion with you and as long as you're sitting there you know calling me a socialist calling me whatever you want to call me it's not constructive we need to have a conversation about how to move this city forward that isn't just you sitting in a room with a few people who you know agree with your views because there are a lot of people in this city who truly care about where this city moves forward and we're scared yeah she's a I'm sorry, she's she's probably a weak candidate, huh? She's doing the Joe Biden strategy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, you know, I'd mentioned earlier that uh, you know the difference between like DSA is that like they they you know they want to put the work into the community and actually change the community. Um, And you know, I was I was talking to Bob Pena, who um, 
who ran for office and he's kind of like a local like little celebrity here in lansing he's a local legend yeah and um, <laughs> known uh known by many people as chicken bob because he <laughs> yeah. uh has lots of chickens at his house yeah so uh i was talking to him and he was talking to um some conversations that he had with people at the supermarket and he was talking about you and uh you know he's talking about like how um you know the park with the trash can thing, you know, how there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a trash can at the park. So the trash is just getting thrown everywhere. And, you know, <clears throat> most politicians would use that and they'd use it as like a stump, you know, they'd be like, well, we need trash cans in the parks and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you didn't, you didn't make a stump out of it. You just took your trash can, put it in the park and every week pulls it back to his house and it gets emptied. And it's like one of those small things that like, it's not that big of a deal. But it is because, like, we see nothing from our representatives. Absolutely nothing. Well, you know what? It's true. I mean, it, it is about who they represent. And, you know, what I say at doors is there, there are two candidates in this race. There's one that's representing the people and what they care about and the things that they need and is going door to door and talking to them to see what they need to make their lives better. And then you have the person who's sitting there with the wealthy and powerful of the city the politically well connected and listening to everything that they have to say and doing everything that they want because you know it's it's i mean i don't know why she does that that just happens to be how she does it you know she, she's going around saying oh yeah i grew up in public housing and you know i'm i'm sorry that she had this this hard life when she was younger but now she is the one percent now she is she's gone around telling people that she's the one percent she literally does not act for us anymore and and that's that's a hard thing. It's really hard. And, you know, we, we think about national elections all the time. We talk about Donald Trump. We talk about the, the issues that he has, how he's not representing people. But in reality, our city council isn't representing us. School either. board. Our school board isn't representing us anymore. Our county commission isn't representing us. Why? Because we have this system that's put in place where these establishment people get reelected over and over and over again because they have the means, they have the money. And, you know, we're countering that now. We, as as DSA specifically, when when we when you think about the number of doors that were knocked from DSA, I mean, we had upwards of seven to eight people weekly going around knocking doors talking to people and saying hey there's this candidate who's running for office who really does care about you and also here's you know these ideas that we have as this movement and things that we want to change and people are eating that up and that is so beautiful i i am i am 100 percent um sorry as i said i get emotional about this i i am i am 100 percent sure we're gonna win this thing it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. But you know what? It's going to be truly worth it. And we can do it. No, and you're exactly right, too. These local elections are extremely important. And if, like, we're going to be a real deal, like, socialist movement, we have to start racking up these local elections across the country. Yeah, did you see what happened out in, I think it was Denver, if I'm not mistaken? It was out in Colorado. I mean, it's there. happening everywhere. It was Chicago, like a, Denver. Uh, city council had been taken over by Democratic Socialists in America, and they're shutting down... Um, uh, detention centers out there hell yeah like just denying them and like right now like the you know the the people that work for those detention centers and politicians that work for those detention centers are like lambasting these uh socialists for doing this because you know they're beholden to the same fucking people that are profiting off of it but like 
it's just great to see that local power flexed and on behalf of the people. Cause it's like, you know, too often we see politicians get into power and then just do absolutely nothing. So it's like, even like the, like, you know, shutting down detention centers and things like that. Like, it's just great to see, like, and, and I think it, it, like, as more people are elected that actually want to do shit for the people of this country, it's going to continue to build people. are like, it'll start to, it'll start to re- restore faith and an electorate that has so 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 much apathy right now and and really to no fault of their own i mean when you're just giving dog shit for fucking years and years and years and years and years like you don't expect any different you know it's like one of the hardest things for me going door to door is i meet somebody i shake their hand and immediately I say, you know, I'm running for city council and their eyes glaze over. And I, you know what, what, what people have said to me and the reason why I think eyes glaze over is because they're like, oh, some, another politician is knocking at my door and, and his job is to get on council. And once he's on council, cool, he has power, but he's not going to do anything for me. I, I'll tell you what, this campaign is different than all of those other campaigns that anybody has ever seen in this city because this campaign i'm not here to be there for 100 years in fact i'm thinking about my succession plan i want to know who is going to be in line next because my vision is only going to be strong for so long and we need to keep pushing the city forward more and more and more i'm not here to get elected 15 times i i don't care that much you're not trying to get your uh, relatives elected either yeah i know right (laughs) so somebody asked about my uh dad had uh donated my campaign because he he was a major contributor i was like my dad just wants to see my name on a plaque somewhere that's all he cares about but in reality he believes in me too you know it's it's we've we this has to be about us it has to be about people and and i think that it is i i think that we're seeing a lot of strength i'll tell you what since i since this primary election i've got you know, 20 texts from 20 random people who I've met at doors saying, I'm ready to knock for you. I'm ready to do the work. And that wow. is so great. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys, um, get involved. Uh, go to your city council elections. Laugh at Trump supporters like the green shirt guy. <laughs> um, you know, like this is this is the work. And, you know, this is why, you know, I, I was happy about DSA just to like tie this back. Right we we see this across the country there is a movement building and it's starting at the local level and i think that um you know we're going to we're going to keep getting stronger and we're going to keep doing things you know that uh materially benefit our communities on the ground and i i think that's awesome and i'm really i'm really happy that you won i'm really really happy about uh, the work that i did for you i'm really proud of the work i did for you I'm really proud of you man thank you well, we're about out of time here, um, but to close things out, uh, I think I'll just say, uh, if you're listening to this, get involved in your local DSA chapter. If you don't have one, find some friends and uh, start one up. Uh, if, you're, if you're into electoral politics, uh, you know, get involved in your local city council races and your uh, municipal, municipal offices. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Um, be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes or Spotify, wherever else you get podcasts. Uh, if you like 
if you like what you heard, then we would really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating on iTunes because uh, that'll help more people find our show. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SOTRpod. And uh, you can also help support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, we really like doing this show. But it is uh, quite a bit. It's quite a bit of work uh, putting everything together and taping. And on top of that, I do all the editing. I compose all the music. I run the Facebook page. Alex uh, manages our Twitter account. Um, Barely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we we you know it is a labor of love, but it is uh, quite a bit of work. And we'd like to produce more content on a regular basis but we need your help and uh, you can give it at patreon.com slash michigan progressive uh anyway signing off i'm benjamin Klon. zachary reinhardt i'm alex sahori brandon betts cool thanks we'll see you uh, guys next week bye